0: So Liz, what have you been wa- uh, watching lately? What
1: have I been watching besides my uh, computer screen and my startup grants declining in fun. Um, oh. <laughs> no, buying things is super exciting. Um, I saw this super cool um, TV show on Netflix. So I guess it's not a TV show. It's a flicks. Anyway, I'm not funny right now. Anyway. Is that what people say? No, that is not what anyone says. Okay. Said. It's not a flicks. You don't flicks and chill, right?
0: Oh, my God. Do you remember all the times we had to stop? Oh, we had to tell people at West Campus that you couldn't call events Netflix and chill. <laughs> at least I had to tell Erica that. So they're like, we cannot say that we're going to Netflix and chill with our students. Do you know what this means? Anyway.
1: I'm going to be reported. So, I currently was watching a show called Cells at Work, which is a, an amazing show about the immune system told through the lens of the red blood cell. Um, and Zion, you had a really good analogy for this. What did you say it was?
0: Oh, I said it was like magic school bus but anime.
1: <laughs> no, it's so true. And it's it's really funny. I actually recommend um scientists to watch this, number one, because it's gonna feel familiar. I'm actually heavily thinking about putting this in my uh core syllabus as Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. I mean my next time the next time I teach them engineering, I'm gonna say, please listen to this. Um and then I'm actually curious for people who are not scientists who don't know about this. Did it help them understand the immune system? And so, um, maybe I'll talk about the show a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. so it's anime style. And so I don't know what's happening. Like I'm reading cause I don't know Japanese. Um, but the, the subtitles are working pretty well. And it's a story of literally how our body, how our immune system protects our body and they show immune, uh, they show red blood cells, which are these really small cells that travel through our circulation, um, that deliver oxygen um, throughout our body, and they're literally like rolling around a cart of oxygen when they're going away from the lungs, or CO2 when they're coming back in the veins. So it's super cool. And then this red blood cell is always being saved by a neutrophil, which is like this like all white, chill looking dude. And it's it's just so much funny because that's actually what neutrophils do. Like they're the first on the scene, and they come and they just like kill everything. And it's just a bunch of immune cells killing bad looking germs. So it also reminds me of like Yu Gi Oh, or um, mm-hmm. like uh, what's it, um, Pokemon, where they have all these evil monsters come up and they're dueling mm-hmm. each other. And that's what the neutrophils do, and the macrophages, and the naive. T-cells are like little wimpy kids and then when they mature become like either CD4 or CD8 killer cells, they get all ripped and they've got like these FBI looking situations and it's just I think it's hilarious <laughs> I think it's innocent. Wait, what, are what?
0: What are T-cells? What are T-cells? How do you not? Okay, alright Come on, I, the fact that I'm following enough of this should be a credit oh to my me Oh god how do you not know about T-cells? They save your life all the time. Are there white blood cells? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You- oh, I can't really – I just realized not realize – So I asked such a basic question. Thanks. Okay, fine. All right, I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. So, um,
1: well, if you took out your blood, uh, you know, when you have, like, the needle pricks and they draw your blood and you were to spin it down, it would spin yeah. down by weight. And so you'd have
0: yeah. a bunch nope. of- Plasma. Mm-hmm. You'd but... have
1: red blood cells, and they look red. Yeah.
0: Yes, I know. I know red and white. And then but the then white then cells look plasma. white. <laughs> so
1: the white... <sighs> I'm just... Listen. Okay. Okay, I'm here to
0: learn. <laughs>
1: <Fine>. <laughs> if you had watched the rest of the show like I asked you to... I had work to do. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Actually, I'm really enjoying the fact that you don't know this, because usually you know everything. And I'm like... What is this word? I'm like literally Googling things.
0: Okay. I will get my revenge later in this episode, um, but anyway.
1: So T-cells are members of the adaptive a part of your immunity. Um, the innate a part of your immunity is the part that everyone is born with. And these immune cells just come first responders and in inflammation and injury. And they recognize like revolutionarily, evolutionarily conserved structures that would detect viruses Pathogens, bacteria, fungi—things um, that should not be in your body. The adaptive adaptive part of your immune system is the part that remembers things. So they might remember; they will have specific um, ways to recognize um, something that you has been in your body before, um, and they help control like immune responses. So there's two types di- two types of um, T-cells, there are the CD4 positive T-cells, that's just a marker on the cell and so in terms of the show you could just think, they usually have like their name on the cap or something so there's CD4 and those are helper cells, so in the show they're like always on the phone and going, hey guys we're going to send some backup, we're going to send the macrophages and the neutrophils to come and get you Okay, it's
0: the guy with the glasses that's on the screen?
1: Uh, yeah. yeah sometimes okay. they wear glasses, yeah And then uh, the T-cells, the CD4, sorry, the CD8 T-cells, they're called killer cells because that's their job. Their job is to kill things. So they go and they get their marching orders and they go and like the TV show, the Netflix special, whatever you want to call this situation, cells at work depicts killing as like having like a machete or something and slashing it. But what the T-cells do in real life is sort of like a kiss of death, actually. (laughs) <laughs> when they recognize, yeah, like, like Dementor style. So when they, uh, you know, the T cells like recognize a cell that has been infected or has like that one little thing they can tell that we need to kill you. That they recognize, they kind of like start spreading over the cell and then they put a hole in the cell and they push in like these chemicals that essentially kill the cell. So they inject like a, a thing that's like time to die. It's like Terminator.
0: So cool. Okay. So like it's like they embrace them and then they inject yeah, them. Yeah. Mm-hmm, pretty much. Okay.
1: Yeah. So those are the, the, but that's their function in life is to kill things. And then in the latent stages of an immune response, some of those return into memory cells. And they just kind of wait around until it comes back again and they will like remultiply and like go out and disperse. So it's really interesting. Cause there's also an episode about this where the memory cells hanging around and it's like, Hey guys, I think we've done this before, but then others are like, no, we haven't done this before. Get out of our way. No, I need you. But they're like coming back like, no, I'm sorry. But in 1990 something, there's a paper and we did this and like legends of tales before um, it's super cool. <laughs> And then it's, there's this, so there's this scene, we're talking about the T-cells, T-cells um, have to mature, so they come out being naive, and then maturity means that they now have a target. So in other words, T-cells just aren't out there all free-flowing, they usually have to re- be recognized by what's called an antigen. Um, so they'll okay. present an antigen from a helper, like a dendritic cell, and then once they recognize that, then then they uh, mature, and become either CD4 or CD8. And once they become either of those, they may start secreting different cytokines that signal to other cells. So you can think of that as rallying the troops. Um, And then the the CD8 cells will actually migrate looking for things that have that target and then killing them.
0: Okay, I have a question. Yes. So in the first episode, we see like there's this woman who's clearly gonna be important later, but she has like really big boobs. (laughs) What type of cell is she supposed to be? um
1: i don't remember first of all cells don't have boobs if anything boobs have cells yes um yes they do <laughs> some people's <laughs>
0: boobs have cells you hesitated for a moment there some people's boobs have cells because like and then there's also like another woman that's like that with the nerdy guy that's on the screen so that's more of like an anime thing i don't i've okay, seen more of the episodes be- i
1: don't remember the first one but um the there was like a a breasty character who kinda had like a girlish giggle all the time. Like a really high giggle. But, but a machete. Okay.
0: Yes, that's what I was thinking of. So that's I was the like, macrophage.
1: Was and this is really interesting to oh. me because um the macrophage actually has they don't lice things. So a lysis is kind of like where you just bust burst the cell open. Like you cause the cell to rupture itself. Okay. So it lyses um macrophages usually eat everything so they phagocytose they kind of engulf things and neutrophils Mm. do to some extent as well actually and so it's interesting to me that they just always showed killing as like this machete slashing so the macrophage was always like oh it's time to show up (laughs) and they're like slash kill 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 um which is cool i guess and then the platelets the platelets were so adorable um yeah, the, these little chibi little chibi
0: children. Yeah, but that's their thing.
1: function. They 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 close up wounds really quickly. They um actually they're also could be involved in like plaque development. Uh there's an episode where they talk about cancer and that was really cool in highlighting how um cancer can evade the immune system but not all of the cells. Um no, this is a really cool show that shows all the types of immune cells and kind of in a very lighthearted way, talks about their different functions. Some of it's uh-huh. accurate. Um, I think my one gripe about the show is that they, um, they use like the same red blood cell and the same neutrophil as kind of with the core characters. When in reality, uh-huh. um, neutrophils have like a half-life of about 25 hours Oh, damn. yeah. That cell's dead. <laughs> that cell's not lasting okay. that long. And certainly if that was a cell that went to an infection, they're not alive anymore to go and do something else. And red blood cells, I don't remember what their half-life is, but no one's living that long to kind of have a relationship with each other. But I understand the continuity of the sister story. <laughs> For the continuity of the story, Probably it makes sense. Be a really
0: tragic story. But...
1: Yeah. The neutrophils always coming and saving the red blood cells' lives. And and I, that is true for the most part. That's what the neutrophil is supposed to do and the macrophages um, and the T cells. Oh, yeah. And the B cell, you need to get to the part with the B cells, because it's perfect. B cells just shoot antibodies. And you could think of them as like the snipers with the guns in the background. Hmm. So, so B cells, when they become activated, they actually don't go to the area of infection. They actually go back to the bone marrow and then start shooting antibodies,
0: Wow I didn't I've never heard yeah. about this before so
1: the T cells that's what they call T cells as cellular immunity because the cd8 cells their activity is to cause cytotoxicity where um, they literally go to the site of infection and kill cells um, so they like they like they're like probing cells and they're like if you have that right antigen that has been labeled as like this is not supposed to be here they kill it and then the B cells they just go to the back and they have like the snipers and they're just like shooting these you know antibodies into your bloodstream and there's like different classes of them and different ways that they go so some like to go to mucus um only one type of antibody can go past the the uh placenta and so that's what actually provides immunity for like the first six months i think of a of a child's life
0: Mm.
1: so it's really cool to think about that
0: yeah it's very helpful because i feel like one thing that's lost to us as people who are not Japanese speakers <laughs> is that I could often see that, on, that there's so much text on screen in Japanese that's not being translated into right. the subtitles. Like, especially when they have like, you know, there's a box that pops up that is clearly full of like the pop-up of information, information, mm-hmm. but they don't translate all of them. And I'm like, Oh, I want to know what the thing oh, is. Oh yeah. Whereas I'm like, yeah, this, but makes whereas sense, like, this makes sense. You're able to probably look at the thing and you're like, Oh, that's how they're trying to represent this specificity. Mm-hmm. Whereas as a, as an outsider, it's like I I need, I I yeah. need more information yeah.
1: basically. Or even like the the dendritic cells are in this place they call the lymph node, which looks like a tree, and that's where the den, the naive T cells being made fun of by all the killer T cells because they have a function in life. And so the naive T cell goes to the lymph node, and then the dendritic the dendritic cell gives gives the dendritic cell gives a T cell a pep talk and says you can do it, you can learn. We all started here. And then they mature and they come back out and got all this, you know, activity and they're like killing everybody, Uh, killing all the bacteria killing all the fungi. And it's also funny how like the viruses and things, they all come out of nowhere. They're like peeping out like little tubes in the street and they're just like waiting to like wreak havoc or they hide in the red blood cells. And so it's interesting how they replicated methods that, um, viruses and other pathogens used to invade the body and how we try to prevent that from happening, like or becoming larger yeah. scale.
0: So speaking as someone without this type of PhD level biological knowledge, but as someone who has watched a lot of anime, what was interesting to me was seeing what type of anime tropes they chose to to use mm-hmm. to portray these things. So for instance, like the white blood cell, the C D four just 84? yeah, the
1: CD. No, the killer one. You want the ripped one? I'm sorry, but also you're talking about the one that has white hair, right?
0: Yes, That's the the white one hair though. one. Okay, the sorry. A well, I was, was like
1: the ripped blonde guys for some reason.
0: Actually, yeah, they oh, were literally, okay. they were ripped blonde guys. Okay, so the neutrophil, the neutrophil guy with the white hair is the guy, the cool guy with the white hair is a whole anime trope that they are usually very emotionless they're very pale they're often bad guys or they're sort of morally dubious gray gray ones that are more exciting precisely because you don't know where what side they're on mm-hmm. and a lot of people tend to be attracted to them i have a friend who likes to joke about that like basically they're usually like sociopathic but in a hot way to the point that there's like memes about anime guys with white hair and how like those are the ones that people crush on mm-hmm. the most so he's that type that makes sense and then yeah. like yeah. And then the viruses to me looked like they're modeled on the iconic anime villain from Dragon Ball Z exactly, Frieza.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, but the whole Dragon Ball Z, the like, site the monsters that they came up with were just these idealic um villains from anime where you want to defeat it and like they always look really, really really new and weird. I'm like, oh that's interesting. Not really what viruses look like, but let's have a big monster that we just slash to pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the, all the immune cells are kind of like the Avengers team of your body. All They all have different functions and they all help each other to defend your body. And that defense mechanism really, or that defense analogy rather, really pervades many of the ways that we talk about um, the immune system or characterize what each immune cell does in the fight to treat your body.
0: And now for a quick break before we get back to our discussion and I bring up biopolitics. PHDV's podcast has been going strong for five years. We are more excited than ever about the world of podcasting as academics. We want to keep bringing you great content, and to do that, we need your help with the cost of production.
1: That's right, Zai. Through Patreon, you will support our 2020 vision for podcast. Better features, new equipment, and you'll get exclusive access to original content like the bloopers reel for this ad, by the way, and our reading list and outtake. Propose an
0: episode, get a special shout out.
1: See how exciting this is all going to be? Help us take the podcast to the next level. Click on the Patreon link to find out the many ways that you can support us.
0: And as always, even if you can't support us financially, you can always help out by following us on Facebook and Twitter under PhDMS Podcast. It helps a lot when you rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Hmm. And so maybe this is my opportunity to sound less ill-informed about things. (laughs) Um, So another reason why we're having this conversation is that recently um, I read part of a a book that's been around for for at least a decade, Ed Cohen's A Body Worth Defending, which I came to because I was following this Twitter thread for people in disability studies about works that they thought were particularly influential. And I was like, oh, I would love to learn more. It's not directly related to anything working now, but it's a field I'd like to know about. So Duke University Press, one of my my favorite press, one I have my book with, yeah. um, puts their introductions online, which so it's sort of, uh, you know, to make it available available to everyone. And it sort of it was so fascinating because uh, Ed Cohen's "A Body Worth Defending" is about the h- historical emergence of the immune system or of immunity in relation to the to the immune system.
1: Yeah. That, so talking to you, yeah. I didn't know that the the reference of immunity as like a defense was actually something that originated from non-biological context. It actually had a lot of social yeah. context before it became the way that we describe our immune system.
0: Yeah. Like I also didn't know that. Cause I thought, I always thought it was the other way around. I thought it was people were using metaphors drawn from biology to talk about politics or, or law, mm-hmm. like legal immunity or stuff like that. But so to give a bit of specific information, Um, It was in 1881 that Eli Mechnikoff um, discovered immunity and started crystallizing how we think about it in terms of biological defense. Um, And what he particularly argues is that that what what happened that moment is that there was a fusing together of a number of concepts uh, that were actually from the political world and then applied to thinking about um, human bodies. Uh, So for instance, like immunity was actually a legal concept that emerged in ancient Rome. And it was a political and juridical ter- uh, term. And it was only later that it became a way of thinking about medicine, for instance. And then in what he's arguing is this interesting shift in terms of how we think about our not just our bodies, but then about health as well. Mm-hmm that sort of turn from thinking about the language of healing and balance in relation to the world to the fact that the body has to defend it, be defended against the world, sort of having this adversarial relationship to the world around it. And then the terminology of war starts getting used. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that's interesting for me
1: because I, I naturally gravitate towards like a a war, a fight um, kind of perspective on immunity. And I don't even, I don't really know any other way to, to think about it, because it kind of makes sense when I think about what cells Mm -hmm. do or the strategy that our immune system has for um, attacking different things that I think is just so elegant in its design. Mm -hmm. And I often think of like the art of war, you know, that book um, about strategy. And so it's interesting to see how, um, I guess that relationship of how we think about these things so actually I yeah. So I haven't read this book yet. And but you were talking about um kind of the birth of immunity.
0: Yeah. What did you um, mean so, by that? So what I mean by the, the birth of immunity, that this is the point where it really emerges as a concept and all the ways that of thinking about the body. And so it's like this the whole emergence of the paradigm of thinking about the body in relation to ideas of defense and war as opposed to ideas of balance um or balance and imbalance and because you know, like the older models at least in western society came from like galen and hippocrates in ancient greece and rome and the way that healing was sort of seen as like part of the body's uh elasticity and its relationships with the world that were more more in corporate had more to do with uh, connection as opposed to, I guess, about boundaries and and being as, I guess, political as it is, because um, he sort of says that the way that we think about biological immunity sort of brings together like two political and legal concepts. So I sort of mentioned like the the political notion of legal exception. Where the sort of paradox, if you think about it, when people talk about, oh, diplomatic li- immunity, legal mm-hmm. immunity, it's like the way to explain the exception that proves the rule, that makes everything else universal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side is just what he describes as like sort of this warlike ideology that sees environment, environmental challenges always being as a challenge, as a hostile attack. And so, like, it's bringing together both the logic of war and always being prepared for war and perhaps the state, I think, of modern Europe that with the rise of nationalism, like all the countries, the best defense was preparing for war in this sort of paradoxical way. And also bringing the idea of this this type of legal exception at the same time. Okay. Um,
1: now my turn to not know what's happening. What do you mean, like, this legal exception?
0: The term of legal immunity. So like who so is allowed that, to yeah. exist and who is not yeah, allowed yeah. to Who's exist? allowed to do things that no one else is supposed to do, but at the same time, somehow that doesn't violate the idea of the law itself. Hmm. You can sort of see it's like this way, it helps to make a loophole in a system to make it seem universal, but then it says like, oh yeah, but there'll be always this exception to the rule. Interesting. So if you think about it, like it's like these two things that seem to work against each other, somehow the, the loophole, the exception, is a way to affirm its universality, even though clearly it's a thing that's against that. Can you give an example? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about whiteness, but maybe something. Oh yeah, but I guess that, that could be it, but I don't feel like it's not quite officially enshrined in law, or at least not anymore. Um, I'm trying to think of like good good oh, historical examples of terrible things, <laughs> like maybe how good like, examples like, white of people would things. go. I know like the, they're teachable moments like there's all these cases how in the 19th century like if you're a person of color you were not allowed to bear witness against a white person so there's a case in california where a white man um killed a chinese man in front of his wife and children but they not, weren't allowed to testify um because at that moment the the law had been defined that no one who's black or indigenous was allowed to to bear witness against a white person and but they didn't have yet a category for asian or chinese and so that was the case that made them categorized uh, under the, basically what became this for people of color clause. And so they they couldn't speak at all at trial. And so the guy went free. It's not quite actually what legal writ exception means, but maybe mm-hmm. it allows us to see in a larger structural yeah. sense the way that uh, that happens. So what
1: you said um, kind of reminds me of this immune concept where we think of tolerance. And so there's immune, what we call immune tolerance, which is, Um, sort of like the balance, the counter to immune, I guess, activation. So you want your immune system to recognize cells that are not your own, cells that are, um, or pathogens that should not be there. And, And that's important to distinguish because we actually do have other bacteria that are in our intestines that actually help us function. So there are other organisms that are actually not our body, but should be tolerated as being a part of our system. Right. And when you get autoimmune diseases is when you have a failure of immune tolerance, where your body is starting to attack things that it should not attack, that shouldn't be there. And on the other hand, so it's good to have tolerance and our immune system is always balancing between like activation and tolerance. Um, And, we, let's think about cancer on the other side. So we have autoimmune diseases where like your like an example is diabetes, which is actually a result of um, your T cells attacking beta cells, which produce insulin. And they are your own cells. And we don't quite understand why they're attacking the beta cells, actually. But we know that this leads to a person not having insulin anymore because the T cells are attacking them. Mm-hmm. Um. But we can also think, so that's a moment where you actually want tolerance for these cells. Like, hey, you should know not to actually attack these cells. Um, The cancer, as an example, is a disease that actually works by promoting tolerance, where cancer cells actually should be eliminated, Uh but they promote a suppressive environment where they are now tolerated. And the immune system actually ends up helping them grow. And so I'm thinking about this huh. thing about tolerance in terms of the example you gave, because um, it's like there, it's a system that promotes not valuing other people um, or yeah. you're allowing a system to persist. So you're tolerating it instead of actually um, activating and kind of doing what theoretically this law was supposed to do to protect certain people. Yeah, that's
0: just... No, that's so interesting because yeah, that it's totally making me reflect back on like if the thinking about the processing of the bodies, but then like all what you're describing, then if it gets reinscribed back into the political and social realm, then it's like oh yes, this is why we can't tolerate difference with other people because they're attacking the national body, mm. right? The body of the nation. It's like often some of the the phrasing mm. tends still tends to be used now. Um, yeah, these foreigners are invaders, just like say. Like the the Chinese in the 19th century coming to the U.S., like they were seen as carriers of disease, and yet the sort of very metaphor you're talking about, where you, the language you're using to describe biological processes, yeah, if you're going to look in this framework as the the U.S. or the land that comprises U.S. as a body, then like they were invaders, and according to that paradigm, it's just it's just so interesting to me to just see that go back and forth. It's kind of alarming, really
1: yeah how the language is similar um and how (laughs) how the phenomena in some ways can also be related um like when i joke about the immune system which is something that i do frequently um when i try to explain the immune system to people who are not sort of trained i i say that the immune system is like the original social network and that these are all um cells that work in concert to communicate information and they all all have different strategies for how they do that and so if if neutrophils had like a a social media platform i would say they'd be on twitter because they are fast Mm -hmm. they are frequent and they frequent and they go from like um site to site right so when something goes viral that's kind of like the equivalent of like a whole bunch of neutrophils coming into an area that's been injured or inflamed and just going there, going there, talking about it. But then the next day they're somewhere else, which is similar to like the news flow of, of Twitter where people feel like they're just inundated with so much information. It's coming so quickly and the trends are changing so fast. Mm -hmm. And then I often think of like T cells, if they had a, if they were on social media, they'd be on Reddit because no because reddit is a platform where um there are lots of things happening but they all have to be upvoted and until you, it takes a lot of upvotes to finally get to the main page right and so yeah. i've seen a lot of people who don't they're so tied into reddit that they don't know something actually happened in the world until it makes the main page and in a, and that's really how t cells work where they um they're waiting for a bunch of other responses before they then like mount a response and like get larger and then disseminate. So they're kind of like the innate amine cells come in first, like the neutrophils come in first. And then if there's still a disease and something's persisted after a couple of days, then you start to see a T cell response. So they're like ready. Uh-huh. Um, but this is relevant because I, I, I think about like um, the ways people do things macrophages. I like to think of them as Instagrammers because they like to take pictures. They like to take they like to take pictures of everything they eat and then tell you how good or it was or not. That is your macrophage. They eat a lot. And they also have this function of antigen presentation where they eat things and it kind of processes back on their surface. And so that's a way for the immune system to then see what's in our bodies. So they're Instagrammers. They're, they're, they, they eat everything. You know, they're like, that looks tasty. Let's see what that's like um Mm -hmm. and in this context you can think of um uh you know some of like the more rare immune cells like the basophil and the eosinophil you know maybe they're like tumblr or vines you know where everyone's like why are you on that and it's like if you don't know then don't worry about it it's not up to you right
0: well i don't know so i'm just sort of like oh yes when you're like of course with the basophil. I'm like, oh. Exactly. Because yeah. people are like, what are basophils?
1: Like, exactly. That's like asking like You could be making like, oh, a Tumblr, know. do you really still have a MySpace? And then they're like, Yes, we do, and you'll thank us later. Like those are like the memory cells. Um, but then huh. I in this context, I when we think about what's being communicated, so you have all these platforms and those are modes of communication, but the memes and the GIFs are literally like the antigens that the cells are using to communicate information swapping information from one place to another to figure out is this useful is this ours should we kill this should we not kill it you know like this way of communicating and of course um in that regard facebook is where you have autoimmune disease because lots of fake information gets spread and
0: when you spread the wrong information, oh no wonder i use facebook so what? much sorry no wonder i use facebook uh, so uh, much okay
1: I, I didn't mean for that to turn personal but but it's when okay. you have a lot of false information that then gets amplified that people then try to respond to you get fake news where you think something is a real response that is actually not real so you start targeting things that should not be targeted so i think of like yeah again i think of this immune system as the og the social the original network of communication
0: you should write that down is it so are you the one who like made up the the whole all yeah. the correlations. Cause that's really great. Like that's, that is like a, a, a meme waiting to happen. Like just having some sort of charted thing.
1: Yeah. I, I, it's like one of the
0: slides in my class,
1: but I do think it helps people understand like, um, cause we all know how different, how social media works. Right. Um, we all have platforms that we prefer, but there are reasons why we prefer like the speed of information or like, is it pictures? Is it like little short blips of information? is it fast? Is it slow? Do you get to make personal connections, like deeper connections? Or is it like, I don't know you, but you're about to hear everything about me. Um, Mm. And then memes and gifts and how memes can be real information, or it can be like, you copy that meme from somebody else may a little bit different. Yeah. So there's so many ways to think about this. Um, So I guess, what do you think the Uh value is of thinking about the ways that we talk about biological immunity and, like, social, political immunity.
0: So, um, in general, this is part of a much broader idea that one of the really influential thinkers of of the modern era, Michel Foucault, invented called biopolitics. So where he was making the argument that politics is not just about what governments do to their nations or to each other, but it's about the management of life mm-hmm. itself. It is about how regulating people in general. And so like the very processes of life itself. So politics are not just like this abstracted thing that happens on C SPAN that then you sometimes get affected as it is the whole processes of how people live and including like the bodies and Ed Cohen's argument and many other people who are doing this sort of work are sort of showing that Really, it's not, it really goes to the very, into the body as well, that these things are so intermeshed, speaking to each mm-hmm. other, um, and that we can't, they, they may seem like separate areas, and one is just a metaphor for the other, but it's just fascinating, even our conversation that these are mapping on in ways I wasn't even aware of before. Um, I was also going to note that, like, because I haven't finished mm-hmm. reading the book, I couldn't help but think, because it's a 2008, like, a lot of the discussions I feel that have been happening about, like, about gastrointestinal gut bacteria haven't been as popular. Cause I was like, what does that do to the argument or what does autoimmunity? And I was trying to Google around and he does have an article from 2017 that seems to have updated it to talk about autoimmunity mm-hmm. for instance, but yeah. Yeah.
1: The way we self-regulate ourselves in ways that are not actually the way we're supposed to regulate ourselves. Um, these are autoimmune diseases are again, failures of immune tolerance of self-tolerance. They are breakdown in, um, are breakdowns in tolerance mechanisms or our immunity. So we think about them in like in two different steps. Um, one is the production of these cells. So there are checkpoints in like where the cells are grown. B cells are, the B is for bone. So these cells originate in the bone and T cells originate in the thymus. So those are T cells, T for thymus. And before they're ever allowed to leave those niche areas, they actually go through selection rounds. And so if some of them are too reactive to our own cells, they are eliminated. They are killed like Mm. in that moment. So they never leave. So some diseases, autoimmune diseases, are breakdown of tolerance at the uh, central stage of like origination. You can think of this like um, you're making a car and before the car ever goes out on the road, they have to go through all of these inspections or the individual parts go through inspections. And if they fail the inspections, they do not get out to drive, right? And uh-huh. they are tested against like our body's natural occurring protein. So this is the way that we try to make sure that like, uh, <laughs> this is going to be terrible. But I'm thinking about like, you should know what your own populace looks like so that when you see them on the street, you're not terrified by them. And so you do enough screening of people or things in the environment so that you know not to do it. And if you do do it, you're not allowed to then go out in the community.
0: I guess, yeah, I could see the. I think another thing it makes me ruminate on is how dangerous it is that these things speak to each other so well. Because there's a way that, say, taking what you just said and people like this actually legitimates stop and frisk. Mm-hmm right? Or some type of surveillance. And just the way that the language of, of like, really co- conservative views always turns to what is natural as a way of justifying it. And so there could be a really naive or really pernicious way, depending how you look at it, way that people could say, like, well, in our world, if our bodies do this, then our politics should and work like fact, this. And in fact, that's not how our we should reject do. these foreigners.
1: And what you're, yeah, I see. I so it could be a way of. So, in other words, do you think it would be helpful to that if people understood how biological immunity worked, um, and were able to connect breakdowns in immunity being related to disease, and trying to extrapolate that to society, and like, that would be a better narrative for people to understand how things work in comparison to mm-hmm. trying to say something works in society and, like, put it on our bodies.
0: I don't know. Because <laughs> I think it's like, I feel like it, it actually might not. Because since, like, it doesn't necessarily scale up or down. It's, like, very easy to make an argument that one is like the other. Because it does seem to be, to map on, but it becomes really dangerous, I think.
1: yeah. I still wonder if it would just help
0: to understand how bio, how the immunity actually works. Yeah. Like I think like on the, on a prag- pragmatic level, it would like in general, like maybe we're biased because we love knowledge. Yeah. Like, oh, it would be good for people to know more about things in yeah, general. But no, but
1: I mean, just an uh, under, okay, hear me out. And number one, maybe it'll help okay. you understand that when you're sick, you should not go to the gym, but I digress. <laughs> I digress it could be helpful to understand a system that kind of regulates itself. So keep in mind that our the things that we are, the processes I've been talking about, they work whether I tell it to or not. It's just something that works. And there's so much like that the body just has to decide to do. Do I ramp up an expression? Do I not? Which cells do I send in at which time? How do I signal to that? How do I actually know it's me and what's not me? To attack, right? How do I? How do I actually even get a library of antigens or things to select from to be able to make this work? If you really think about it, our system is so elaborate. Our immune system is so elaborate that it becomes mind-boggling to think about how it actually works without, like, someone like controlling it. And yet, it works for the most part for most people very beautifully. And I think there's something important about understanding how that complexity still, even in the complexity is still possible to make good decisions about
0: Mm.
1: immune about responses or an immune response.
0: Uh
1: And, you know, the, I think about just trying to understand that level of complexity. And again, this balance between tolerance when is it okay to tolerate like you want to tolerate people in your community tolerate people who are like you tolerate cells like don't don't kill your liver don't kill your thymus don't kill the beta cells don't kill your joints those are nice, those are useful or don't kill uh, <laughs> your uterus don't kill the, the baby inside of you which actually is a thing like some people yeah like pregnancy in huh. itself is also this mind-blowing thing because your body literally has has a system that is prepared to accept another human, which legitimately has different immune system, different HLA, all these other markers. It is not yourself, and yet people have babies for nine months, and there's a special protection happening, and and these things are all things that just happen. So I, I think there anyway I'm I'm rambling at this point, but the complexity of the system. I think could be encouraging and motivating for trying to think if our bodies do that without us even thinking about it, if they can be tolerant, like why is it that we can't figure out or accept complexity, accept the system?
0: Okay. You you have a much more positive view than me, because I think I my worry is about <laughs> being able to make be have a very reductive Which approach. Is. But what you're really emphasizing is like if you really study it then it's about opening up all this complexity. Yeah,
1: just understanding the complexity and just really being amazed by how it works. I mean, I remember last semester um, when I was going over some parts of this class and I was thinking, like, how is your body able to recognize these foreign pathogens? And then what are the odds that a cell, would one cell would even find that? Because keep in mind, you have like billion, I mean, I, mean, I don't know the actual, you have billions of cells in your body, okay? So the odds of someone finding that, right? And thinking about the, that shows cells at work, the odds of the same red blood cell finding the same neutrophil over and over, it's crazy. And yet our immune system still works. And it does. Hmm. And there's just something powerful about that that even when you really get down
0: to we just kinda like struggle on. we don't know, we don't we don't know, but we're glad it works. Um I guess I heard a of- I came across this fascinating statistic, and may, I don't know if you, you, maybe you can confirm it, that like, in terms of the human body, like, he, our human cells are actually outnumbered like, two to one mm. from things that would consider mm. non-human cells?
1: Yeah, I don't know the actual numbers on that. I've heard that, but it is true in that we things. have, there are other um, prokaryote things <laughs> Or you, yeah, I guess some of the eukaryotes, but there are other uh like yeast bacteria, things like that that are are part of our healthy ecosystem that is our body um that our immune system tolerates because it is helpful, yeah, and they are large in number,
0: hmm. to me that's also a good way to but thinking about the body politic, yeah, yeah.
1: It it is very interesting, and again, interesting that that our body, and again, this is in healthy in people when things are going right. How does this? Um, how is it that this works? And you could even think about the disease. Sorry, you could even think about the disease state when things are going wrong, and in question, what happened to cause this to go wrong? And how do you try to make that better? Because there are different ideas in terms of drug delivery and, you know, people want to make therapeutics make something better. And one is to actually change the environment. So if you um, change like the scaffolding of an environment, you can change the type of cells that come in. You could change the kind of signals they send, which are called cytokines. And you could remodel everything. So you could target the cells themselves and say, I want the cells to live or die. Or you could say, I'll change the environment. And that's very much like a a strategy that people use to try to augment um, a a disease environment. Which is interesting to think about. Like I could put um, a biomaterial in your body that signals for the right immune cells to come in at the right time. And that can have dramatically important consequences for, um, the, um, for like a healing, a wound healing response or whether nerves regenerate or going back to the example of um, diabetes, where T cells are attacking beta cells. One of the workarounds of that is to actually encapsulate beta cells in a biomaterial, which is permeable to nutrients, but impermeable to cells. So it's literally oh. like people are knocking. The T cells can knock on the door, but they can't get in. And so the beta cells are then still healthy enough to be able to secrete insulin into your body, which is really what you want.
0: Is this a, something that's widely developed? It's not or is not something that widely been
1: commercially available. It is still people are still working on this. So I've seen some clinical trials. the The challenge now is about um, duration and like how long this has last. Um, getting the implants to have the right properties to get, have that nutrient flow, um, and actually also to, re- to um, tame the immune response. So how you, um, what you put on that surface will determine like how mad the macrophages get at you, <laughs> the T cells get at you. Sorry, when I when I think of something being mad, I think that like, uh, like you know like like that emoji on your phone or like the mean looking red cell like where the like steam coming Mm -hmm. out that's why i think Mm -hmm. the macrophages are like ah, i want to attack and so they just kind of like build up around that biomaterial and so over time that can break it down and so you want to also develop a biomaterial that doesn't cause inflammation so that when the cells come and they see they don't really see something foreign or they don't see something that activates them so you're I guess you're you're tra- manip- manipulating the immune system to protect certain bodies, mm-hmm. which now that I think about it also has <laughs> some political social implications. Where we think about people who serve as like yeah.
0: Like a... Or maybe if if aliens would come in and just fix us.
1: Mm, I don't know, my first thought, but you can actually fix something yeah, could, like using You could cross link all the proteins. <laughs> Um, so they, it's stiff and it can't move anymore. But I don't think you meant fix, like, biologically fix. Because that's also, like, I guess it's, like, embalming. That's what they do. We fix them. Yeah. That's good.
0: That's a, This is a perfect yeah. note to end on, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm really curious about how people are going to respond to this episode. Please tweet at us. <laughs> tweet, to, at tweet at us? Because I feel <laughs> like... Yeah, because, like, Sandra uh, I wonder how many of our listenership would, like, know both sides of our conversation, because I feel we don't get many opportunities to have the type of interdisciplinary crossover.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I, I guess that's my goal for 2020 is to talk more science with you guys, because I hope this was informational. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys, as always, for listening to the PhD List podcast, for listening to Dr. Zine and me uh, rant about the world and all the crazy happenings and intersections. As If you haven't already, please check out our website, PhD List podcast at wordpress.com. You can also find our episodes on the iTunes podcast app and Stitcher and anywhere else that you get your podcast podcasts. Um, Zion always leaves lovely things on our Facebook page, which is growing and ever-present as a community, Um, also under PCB podcast and Twitter PCB podcast. Um, We don't have any projects coming up yet except for the launch of our Patreon. So we hope that you liked our ad, and we hope that you can contribute wherever possible. Zion, is there anything else you wanted to say?
0: Oh, I think you covered it it really well. Thank you. Okay, take care.